Hello, you're listening to Tech Talks with Lou and I'm Lou Temlett. I hope you're having a good day and I'm really thankful for you listening. So this is Tech Talks with Lou, the show in which I discuss the top tech secrets for success from the best in today's digital world. Last week, I spoke with Ollie Kelly and we talked in depth about customer centricity and omni-channel experience and how we are now with Web 3.0 moving into a true phase of being able to deliver an omni-channel experience. If you haven't already listened, head back after this episode and let me know what you think. My guest today is a pioneer in educating, influencing young black mums to consider options within the tech world. She, like many young mums, found it difficult to return to work or education, and she began to question her legal rights and the rights of other teenage parents who were in a similar position to herself. She is a founder working independently as young parent consultant, offering services in the statutory and voluntary startup and scale up sector as a public speaker, researcher and content writer. I'd very much like to welcome you to my podcast, Harriet Williams. Thanks, Lou. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely to have you here. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. How about yourself? Yeah, doing really well in the run-up to uh, the last few days before Christmas, uh, which is always a challenge as a single parent, but uh, mostly in getting the children to sleep but uh, and the excitement. So we met a number of years ago, didn't we, Harriet, at a digital festival, and I was completely inspired when you, as a single mum, kind of helping uh, women getting back into the digital world. You know, I was a single mum myself and I just wanted to, um, you know, find my way back in, um, moving away from the situation that I was I was currently in and wanting to really bring forth all of my skills and abilities. And I was so impressed with your passion and conviction conviction in helping mums understand more about getting into a digital career so maybe we can start there and you can yeah. tell me a bit more about what you were doing definitely thanks Lou that was a really nice way of yeah um rejigging my memory to um what year was that 2019 the year where we were actually allowed to kind of do a little bit more <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and have in-person events. So I'm, yeah, really glad that I met you um, that year. Um, so I guess I was there. Um, I collaborated with Triple D Media and the whole kind of ethos of that day was to try and encourage mothers to enter the digital tech field and learn how they can transform their creativity and problem solving into um, a digital career. So they kind of wanted women to explore what types of roles or what type of tech roles exist, what might suit them, uh, where to train, the realities of working in the sector, um, while also trying their hands at some of the digital making that was there at the time. So there was um, the coding uh, workshop and I think we did a, was it a 3D design together, which was quite really, really, really nice. Printers and all sorts of tech gadgets that, yeah, I was drawn to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I spoke to 
um, I spoke on that day on how to use technology in our in our roles. Um, so really, just trying to think about the values uh, the values that we can provide as mothers, um, and not looking, not seeing technology as something um, kind of um, unattainable or kind of weird or kind of um, very specific in regards to just coding or, or learning, how, knowing how to kind of fix a computer, but really making it more fun and thinking about how that transforms in in your in maybe day to day roles that they already use, such as social media and how they use social media, what they like about social media, maybe things about around what they don't like about social media, um, and also transfer and 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 also things that they can trans transform or transfer in regards to maybe if they are creative such as um they like to maybe write or draw or sew or knit and thinking about ways or places that they can sell online such as depop or gumtree or wherever it is and and really seeing technology as something that they can also do um and something that may be easier to kind of get into particularly if they're in um maybe check maybe um you know, I guess they say they call it untraditional. I don't really like that word, but untraditionally, untraditional kind of family structures, single parents, um, lone parents, uh, um, fleeing domestic violence or whatever, whatever kind of circumstances. But seeing something that they can do at home and maybe easier in regards to childcare situations and other areas that may may find it difficult for you, for them to go into a traditional workspace. Yeah, and I think one of the the things that that particular digital festival served was for me having you know uh, 20 years of tech but also those um, parents that didn't have that but they have lots of other amazing skills that they could then convert into the digital world so for me it was it was really pivotal in um, connecting with other people in a new location and just you know, bringing everything together, um, you know, it felt really a positive space to be. Um, and, you know, with yours and others' encouragement, you know, I was able to take the next step. So I'm incredibly grateful for meeting you that day and our friendship continues. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me a bit more about what you're doing now, Harriet, because I, I know you're a digital uh, media in- influencer, you're a public speaker, and you've got various other things going on. So tell us more about that. So alongside my, um, yeah, I guess the professional kind of stuff. So my, my, my background is actually in community engagement co-production. So that's where I kind of started in regards to um, thinking about how I can work closer with the statutory charity and voluntary sector and then transition that into um, creating my own business. Um, but aside from the young parent consultancy um, area, I'm also a skin influencer. So I, through the use of digital media such as Instagram, I provide content creation for natural skincare companies, pharmaceutical companies with a focus particularly on eczema. Um, because that's something that I, I, I had is a skin condition I had for a, a number of years. It's something that I still have, and I felt like, um, although I don't speak about it, and I didn't really see how it could kind of collaborate in the the, the work that I'm doing. It's it's something that I struggle with or a challenge in my day to day life that nobody knows about, and I wanted to kind of find a way in which I could 
to be honest, find solutions because living your life with a skin condition is quite difficult and challenging and upsetting some days. Yeah. Um, but also kind of spread awareness as well, particularly as a uh, a, a black woman with eczema, because um, some what I found also trying to find solutions to my skin condition was regrettably a lot of the a lot of the resources that are used tends to be on white skin. And there's there's num- there's a number of reasons for that, which we can, you can, yeah, we won't go into today, but I felt it was important, particularly as a black person to kind of highlight what skin conditions look like for us. So Harriet, uh, you mentioned Depop and Gumtree and young mums, young people being able to share their skills and their crafts. Tell us a bit more. So in regards to like, so I mentioned, um, yeah, Depop, and um, Gumtree, etc. But I think in regards to to Depop, it is a, I guess it's a marketplace. So the same way you would go to a marketplace and find really niche things, odd things, particular sizes, um, creative things, unique things, etc. Is the same way Depop has tried to transform the mar- the real the real life marketplace into a uh, a virtual marketplace. Um, and I think particularly if you are um, a creative making things at home um, and you're make, maybe making things, maybe baby things in a very particular size, newborn baby knitted jumpers, etc. And you one aren't unaware, you're unaware of how to get that into maybe a shop, an actual shop or somewhere specific like that. But you, you still believe in your craft. You think whatever you've made is really nice. Um, and maybe you're not making so much. So, you know, you're not you're not at a level where you're making so much for public sale, but you're making just enough for to be able to sell it. Or you've made it for your own child and actually realize, you, you know, as babies do, they grow. And you're like, OK, this is something that I can now sell on to other people and I want other people to enjoy this. So. Um, similar to Gumtree, you take a picture of the product, you, you say the sizes, you say the colours, you say, you know, if there's any imperfections, etc. And then you put and you put a price and you throw it on the marketplace and then someone buys it. Um, and then you do, you know, you agree on how that's delivered to them, maybe usually by via, you know, uh, the Royal Mail or other other kind of delivery services. Fabulous. So if anyone out there is making and creating, then Depop, is it Depop.com? Is it an app? Yeah, Yeah, it's an app as well. So that's where you need to go. What have been the challenges that you faced in um, setting up your influencing and, and everything else? What skills have you needed to have that you didn't have prior to starting uh, your social media accounts? I think the biggest skill is a soft skill, but believing in yourself. I don't want to get so cliche and like, you know, kumbaya-ish about it. But if you don't believe in what you're saying or what you're putting out there, then that's one thing that's not, that's that's where it starts. It's not going to work. Um, but also realising or, or getting to that understanding that you're not going to be the only person in that in that space either. Similar to, you know, you go to a groceries and you want to buy bread, there's going to be Hovis, there's going to be Warburton's, there's going to be, you know, all the other bread companies and brands. And I guess you really have to have 
the confidence specifically in your brand and what you feel that you're specifically putting out there. Um, otherwise, you can get sucked in. And I think that when people do talk about the negativities of social media, you can get sucked into that negativity of like self-doubt and, you know, not being good enough and other other pages looking better than yours and aesthetics yeah. and all that other stuff that, you know, if anyone is out there doing tech stuff, I'm, I'm sure we all kind of walk through um yeah but i think that's it trying to get to the other side of okay looking at things that people and also maybe taking on things that are pe- people are doing really well when i see things that i love i just say you know for example i'm just i'm talking about particularly instagram i put it in my save because i'm like actually i love how they've put this together it's something that i would like to recreate in something that i'm putting out there as well um and even and sometimes even crediting people or trying to reach out to them, DMing them and getting to know how they've got to their place as well. Um, because the same way you want to you want people to keep on encouraging you and say that you're doing well, isn't that I think people that have big platforms I um still also need that encouragement too. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely um, an amazing point you know talking about the collaborations but not collaborations as in as in asking to work for someone or you know to collaborate but actually you know rewarding them and saying how great their content is mm-hmm. you know is a really great in and it kind of then builds and i think when we're working in the tech world you know it really is appreciating the human aspect it's not all you know screens and and kind of social media and and tech and cables and things you know there's all the soft skills like you're talking about you know feeling good enough believing in yourself yeah so I think really the the soft skills of being in the tech world are undoubtedly one of the the main priorities uh to fulfill and uh, accomplish and improve you know we're we're not standalone uh elements you know we we do have to integrate collaborate and network and you know reach out and build rapport with with everybody in the in the network so i want to take you back to being um a young mum harriet and where you found yourself in questioning your legal rights and wanting to get back into the workplace and education tell me what was going on for you then so i guess with my journey i i got pregnant at 17 um so in the uk you're still classed as a minor until you're 18 And I found that there was a lot of challenges that I experienced straight off the back. Although I was in college um, and I had applied to go to university that year, um, automatically I was kind of, um, I was automatically uh, given a social worker for me, a social worker for the unborn child and things happened so fast. And when that when I experienced that, I guess I didn't think it was fair, but I didn't really know how to challenge it. Being pregnant and then being given a social worker, how the heck did you deal with that? I mean, you know, studying in college and all of these changes happening to you at that point. Um, I guess that is, you know, that that definitely was the 
that that kind of zeal you see today that's that kind of sparked at that time because before that point if someone was to say if someone was to say were you like this as a young person no I wasn't I was a normal young person that did normal young person stuff selfish I just wanted to do my hair go here (laughs) go there with my friends but until I actually found something that I genuinely thought actually I think this is an injustice I think this is wrong and I'm going to chat I'm going to find it find out how I I've never challenged anything before that you know everything else was challenged you know either by my parents supporting me challenging, you know, yeah. I don't know, you bought the wrong thing from the shop and they go and return, or, you know, do all your returns and things like that. But yeah. it was the first time where I just thought I have the support from my parents, my family. I had the support at the time from my, from the child's dad. So I didn't feel that there was a need for it. If there were yeah. particularly, there are genuinely families out there that do need that support. And I didn't feel like I was one of those people so that was kind of the that was that kind of triggered me and that's where I then began to find you know inquire so I started make, making inquiries with, with organizations like I literally just turned to Google and started inquiring to see who I could talk to about this your intuition and feeling like you needed to do some investigation and some research, you know, this trigger hadn't been activated before. So where did it come from? What what drove you to be, you know, a more defiant Harriet that we see today and mm-hmm. that we absolutely love? I think it was, yeah, the as you mentioned, the idea of a future. I think when you're young, you don't really see, you know, a year I'd I, I didn't really plan for a year's time or things like that. But I think the idea of having a baby, which was coming in nine months, it was something for me to start actually looking at and thinking, okay, if I'm going to have a baby in nine months and social services said they want to be in the baby's year for a year, that means they're going to be in my life for about two years. And is that something that I realistically want? And if it's something that I don't feel I want, then how do I go about making sure that that's not the that's not the case? Um, so I think the you know the timelines of being a mother really came you know if you want to call it the motherly instincts or whatever else it is it really came into it really came into effect um, during that period as opposed to any other period where things happen. Of course, yeah, college. Oh, I'm doing two years of college and stuff like that. But I don't think you. I don't think up until then I really saw the grand scheme of time as I did when I knew I was going to become a new mum. Yeah, I think that's a, a very enforced deadline. You know, it's it's nine months or less or a little bit more, but it's it's a very set amount of time that, you know, I guess really sets your mind into uh, working into a specific time frame, mm-hmm. um, unlike no other deadline yeah. in the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> So you went off and Googled your legal rights and did lots of research around what uh, what it meant to become a young mum. So tell me a bit more. What what did you find out? What might help other people right now? So when I had Googled, done a bit of a Google, I had found the organisation Quorum Voice and they are a... People may have heard of cornfields, the history of cornfields, maybe, possibly, I don't know. But even if they haven't, in ethos, it is an organisation that supports uh, young people that are um, in the care system for whatever reason. 
um, and the whole voice aspect is, yeah, so you have a voice. So if you are in the care system, you know, you don't you don't have maybe your birth parents involved, but you should have your, um, what would you call it, your state parents involved. But sadly, there are a lot of people that get into challenges when their state parents don't, um, don't don't act in a way that they think is responsible or a way that they want to be raised. And that was the that was the that was the place that I found myself self in. Although I did have yes, I did still have my birth parents because yeah. of the fact that they put me under a specific you know a specific kind of law or you know clause. I yeah. I technically social services were technically at that point now my you know, my, my statutory parents, I guess. And yeah. I yeah. guess I didn't like the way my parents were treating me. <laughs> so I, yeah. you can, quorum voice can basically advocate for you. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, I felt, and again, I felt it was a bit of a silly one because it was things I was saying to social services. It was just quorum voice saying the exact same thing for me because they wouldn't, yeah. it's like they wouldn't speak to the young, the young person. They only speak they only spoke through organisations like professionals to professionals. Um, yeah. And I think that was something that I picked up quite early around professional professional and professional working um, and really realising that, you know what, I think that's where I want to be. I want to be at a place of influence where I am one of these professionals and I'm the only one that's able to talk or advocate or communicate some of the things that I want to get out there. Because regrettably, if you're just, a, 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 you know, a civilian or whatever else you want to call it, your your voice isn't heard unless it's through some type of organisation or professional. I hear you on that one. You know, it's finding some way that if you don't feel heard, you can get some support and and get some uh, somebody to speak on your behalf or some advice. And I think you know the, the internet and being able to search and find different things. And in the show notes, we'll add we'll add these uh, these links for anyone out there that that wants to find out more about these professional services. You're also a supporter of the Young Women's Trust um, for women under 30. Tell us more about this particular organisation. The organisation, again, I think I just came across probably on social media and they support uh, young women under the age of 30. Um, They provide coaching. They do CV writing, support in regards to filling out job applications. I did find that there, when I got to the age of maybe 21 to 25, there wasn't really much to, much left in regards to support for young people. And although, yes, you are, you know, uh, legally an adult and you should kind of, you know, know what you're doing, I don't think you ever really know what you're doing. Some of the very specific things that still happen for young mums young not specifically young mums but young women under the age of 30. Yeah I think we all have a you know an element of you know careers advice when we're in school or college Um, but then when you leave even you know with university or not it's where you go next and where you get that advice from and I think any of us that have changed careers you know you just want to be able to 
put all of your skills into a nice kind of system and the algorithm to throw out, you should do this role. This is the right role for you. And sometimes you just want answers. But it sounds like this this trust is really helpful for people under 30 that may have gone through a, a career change already and they can seek and, and get more advice and support. Yeah, definitely. And I think they do things... I think I have also seen things around like policy change, et cetera, as well. So alongside, and I and I love that about organisations that don't just, you know, support, you know, support these organisations or, I mean, these young people or, or young women, but they also think, okay, I, we're finding that we find maybe X amount on universal credit or X amount on low incomes. And how do we then put this together in a fancy report because governments only love reports and try and find how that can change policy. So, you know, you're bringing up the universal credit rate for a certain demographic or you're making sure that there are better jobs for um, an age group of an age, a specific age group or things like that. So really thinking about some of the, some of the trends that are coming up for them when they're meeting with these young women. Supporting that professional to, professional system that allows things to change and grow you know we're all we're all great with our own voice but to actually have the power of an organization behind that or to at least filter in and and make a difference whether it's in careers or tech or you know uh, everyday living it's an important thing to to continue to do so for any of my listeners out there that are thinking about changing career or they are uh, find themselves in a single position as a parent, a mother or even a father, what advice would you give them in moving into the digital world, um, Harriet? I think the first bit of advice would be to maybe start brainstorming some of the areas that they would be happy to share with me. Um, I did start with my own journey. So I, I started to share my journey as a young black single mum. But again, that's not for everyone. You know, it it needs to be an area that you're comfortable with. Um, And if there are other parties involved, such as children's pet, you know, other parents and, you know, other the other parent or other children, there may be various reasons why you don't want to share yourself or your children online. Um, So if that area doesn't work, then thinking of other areas that you feel you have some basic skills in. And as I said, like if you are someone who can knit or sew or draw or cook, starting from areas that you feel you're happy to share um, and yeah, really, Brett, because I think I think that's it, that all the skills and we don't see it as skills because we do it all the time. We cook for our children. We clean the children. Yep. We wash yep. the children. We, you know, hang Christmas decorations. We don't really see them as skills. We just see them as things we need to do. You know, if you're a, a, a man or a woman who's good at DIY, you probably needed to fix a table because the table was broken. But not really... Uh, but really the, the the way to trans transfer them is thinking of them as skills that you can provide to other people because other people t- may not know how to do this and you know how to do this quite simply i think that's very important you know we all we all do lots of different skills and things that we just take for granted they're just intrinsic in us and we've always been able to do them but it it's reflecting and seeing what you're really good at um, yeah 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 exactly and then 
yeah, as I said previously, putting yourself, trying to put yourself out there. I started, I didn't start with anything fancy. I didn't spend thousands and thousands of pounds on equipment. I had an iPhone. I can't remember even what one it was at the time, some type of iPhone. I started with my <laughs> iPhone at home. Three or a five. <laughs> probably, <laughs> you know, and just, just took photos and videos and put them on the platform that worked for me was Instagram. Just put them on Instagram, put a caption there, put some hashtags and then, and then, you know, also working with your work. I saw it as a hobby in to start off with, to not give myself pressure. I didn't see it as, Oh, I'm trying to make money. And if I put this out there, I need to get a thousand likes and I need to get organizations commenting and stuff like that. I just saw it as a hobby. I saw it as something that I'm able to do. I saw it as an outlet for me as well to get certain things off my chest. And then I kind of started to see ways that I could monetize it. And again, networking online as well. It's great to network with your, you know, physical people you meet, but you know, networking um digitally is is, I love it personally like I have (laughs) I I put all my Instagram followers like they're my friends like that what I do I call them my Insta family because they we always talk all the time and they do give me really interesting things to go on to or or try this or try that and then I, I can also ask them things that they would prefer to see other than me just ranting and raving all the time yeah (laughs) you know it's good that um you know you've just used something you saw as a hobby and it's become a business it's become a a way of you know supporting yourself and your family um and I think that's a really organic way to do it but reaching out and networking with people I wouldn't be in my situation if I hadn't reached out and networked and believed in myself even just for a little bit of time definitely Okay, so the final thoughts really are to start to believe in yourself, find some energy and passion for inquiry and asking and questioning, brainstorming ideas and fulfilling that hobby on social media and using some of the tools out there to bring what you love to real digital life and supporting your family financially as well. Um, Harriet, thank you so much for joining me today. Any final thoughts? Thank you for having me, firstly. Um, But yeah, I would definitely um, reiterate the same thing as what you're saying. Um, There is so so much out there, even if you're... Even even the basic principles of how to start a social media page, you can put that search link into YouTube and start from there. If that's something you don't even, you don't even, you're scared just to log on to Instagram or log on to Facebook or log on to wherever it is. Um, And also understanding that life is, life is a journey. Um, Definitely life is a journey. I've gone through multiple times when I've been employed unemployed, self-employed, employed, self-employed, not in work, you know, all those, you know, interesting things and areas of career that people like to talk about and make it feel like, uh, maybe make people feel like you're not going, you know, life's not moving forward when these things happen. But I'm now taking all of those things as opportunities. So when I, when I've not been in employment, seeing what I you know, areas that I can explore while I'm not in work. And when I've been employed, um, 
again, seeing what areas I can explore when I'm when I'm working for somebody else. And and, and again, when I'm self-employed, exploring areas that I work on or need to work on or challenges that I come across working for myself. And um, because, I, you know, yeah, I don't know what spaces of life people are in, um, but I would definitely say not getting too hard knocked on those labels either i do really value and and admire your passion for questioning and challenging and i think that's one of the things that uh, you know i i'm inspired by more than anything with you harriet so thank you very thank much you. for coming on to my podcast today thanks lou drop me a review subscribe or follow wherever you are listening because data makes me feel so great and who doesn't love looking at stats and seeing progress now this helps me to deliver even more exceptional tech discussions i want to be producing amazing content for your ears that gives you the tech insight to my amazing guests